Radio, 96.9 FM, HD Channel 3. Sportsnet tonight, Josh Elliott Wolf, Lena Satagian, producer Ben Bazran, one for one off the top, Jason Derulo. Ah, so exciting. Sportsnet tonight, we're here from six to eight for the next couple hours because that's six to eight. Uh, you're going to hear from Nick Ashborn of Sportsnet. We're going to talk a little Blue Jays and Sandra Persina of Sportsnet 960. We're going to talk some flames later because they are making news all the time. Lena, how are you? I'm great. I don't know if this is like before your time. Did you both ever watch the OC? Nope. Nope. Wow. Okay, moving well, on. Already but, showing your age. But I've heard about it. And I've heard so, we should watch it, Josh. Somebody gets shot in a scene in the show and the Imogen Heap version of the song, the original song, plays. There's an original? Not the, not the Jason Derulo. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I have seen that. There's a Saturday Night Live sketch mm-hmm. that uh, parodies that. Yes. That I have seen. Andy Samberg. Correct. Bill Hader. Yes. I've seen that. I didn't know. I thought that was original, though. I didn't know it came well, from Well, they, like... Thing overkill the song yeah no but it was great. that obviously didn't happen in the show but the same song not jason derulo but same well, song well same idea lena is showing her age it's already it's only been a minute and a half on <laughs> yeah we're, we're off the rails quick lena also wearing a mariners jersey today yeah support the pacific yeah pacific northwest they're still on a 14 game winning streak I'm never taking this off. There's been a bit of a gap. The American League won the All-Star game. Does that count? 15? Yes. Yes. Sure. Okay. 15 for the Mariners. Just give them something before they start to foil, as they do. Before they miss the playoffs by one game. Uh, Where'd you get the jersey? Did you get it? Because you you have a lot of jerseys. I do. That's kind of your thing. I, I have a lot, a lot, a lot of jerseys. Most are thrifted. Although we had this discussion before the show uh, Bick and I have had this discussion as well, um, and I had this recent discussion with my boyfriend when we went to San Francisco. So excited for this discussion. <laughs> so I don't know where you stand, Benji, but when it comes to gear, sports gear, do you feel like you have to purchase it at said stadium? Like I don't feel or like I have elsewhere. to, but it's definitely nicer when it's from the stadium. That's what I'm saying. It, it means more. Yeah, exactly. Especially it's, if it's not like your home team. Like Canucks, you can get up from the Canucks store on Robson or mm-hmm. maybe get it from the arena, but it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. But let's say let's say you go to Chicago and you're going to a game at Wrigley and you get a Cubs jersey and you're like, I got this Cubs jersey at Wrigley. That means more than walking into Sports Check and just buying a you know, a Cubs jersey. Exactly. There's more of a story behind it. So text in your thoughts, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. The smart alternative, visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Uh, so I agree with Ben on this, by the way. Okay. Anytime, okay. My, my philosophy, so I anytime I go to a major league baseball stadium, I will buy a hat. 
of the home team. So mm-hmm. I've been to a Braves game in Atlanta. I'm wearing that hat right now. I've been to a Dodgers game in LA, Angels game in Anaheim, and a Mariners game. That's all I've that's all I've done so far. Uh, but I bought a hat every time I go. Maybe not the Mariners because I go a little more frequently, but for the other three, I bought a hat from the stadium. See, my argument is stadium lines and waiting. And what if the choices are limited and then you end up with no hat to wear to the game? Then you lose in that scenario. But in my case, when I went with my boyfriend, he had friends that were like, hey, pick pick us up Giants hats from the stadium. And I was like, it's because it's cooler. You're like, then if someone asks where you got the hat, you're like, oh, Atlanta or oh, San Francisco. Yeah, because I, I went guess. to a game. See, I don't, I don't run the risk. So I said, you know, we can go to any lid store around the vicinity, and they'll have all sorts of assortment of the of the Giants. It's gear. just not as cool to say, like, oh, I went to Lids at the Pacific Center. Yeah, and I See, got a San Francisco. It Giants doesn't have hat. to be in a mall. It could still be like in the area, I'm just and you're buying it more dramatic. I would. Like, oh, I think the, dram- the then dramatic. Then I went to Orange Jewish in- afterwards, and I got oh, a smoothie. No. The dramatic slide. <laughs> in- it was a great day. <laughs> going into the stadium, I, I I get it. I get your side, but also if I if I am in dire need of supporting, I will buy it beforehand to prevent from. What I would say is, I go to the stadium first, and then if you like, you said the options are limited. Next day, I'm probably still in the same city. Then I'll go to That's so words. much work. So now no, you've well, added no, an what? extra step to it's make your way to the stadium steps. the day before, which mind you, like there are stadiums that are far away from the city's no. core. Okay. So I'm saying like, I don't I, want to have for those teams. Yeah. I go to the stadium as a, so as I'm going to the game, I go to the stadium. I look in the team store. I'll buy a hat if they have one I like, which hundred percent of the time they have had so far. But if they didn't, then the next day, I would go to a lids close to wherever I am. Aren't they also more expensive? Not from what I've seen, generally. Uh, so that's not what we were planning to start talking about the show with, but that is what we started talking about. And if you have any thoughts, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. The bigger story of the week, not hat-related, not jersey-related, Actually, it's kind of jersey related. Somebody might be changing their jerseys or at least wants to. It's Matthew Kachuk. Ooh. That was a bad transition. I tried my best. I I'll, I, I'll probably own whatever jersey already <laughs> that he has. Well, you'll get a Flames to. one because they'll be in the thrift shops now. It's true. Yeah. Uh, but so he's requested a trade or at least isn't, uh, doesn't want to sign in Calgary long term. He might end up playing this year, but I very much doubt it because then. The Flames would lose him for free like they just lost Johnny Goudreau for free. So the big question for that, for me, that comes out of that, is Johnny Goudreau, American player, wants to play in the States. He wanted to play closer to home, obviously didn't get as close to home as we all thought he would, but he is playing south of the border. Matthew Kachuk, everywhere on his rumored trade destination list that he said, hey, Calgary, I'll help you out. Here are some places I want to play. They are all in the States. They're all good teams, some of them in uh, low-income tax states. I thought all of them. All of them. Yes. Yes, all of them. So he wants money, and he wants to play south of the border. <laughs> he doesn't like taxes. Yeah. So that's two for two. And on top of that, uh, Austin Matthews in Toronto, this isn't 
like it's news. not breaking news. This is speculation that he kind of set up his contract to potentially leave Toronto once it was done with relative ease. And a lot of the thought is, hey, he might go back to Arizona. He might want to play somewhere in the States where I don't think he would get more attention, but he would kind of be just in a, it, w- it would be a completely different scenario. Definitely less pressure. That's for sure. So my question is, is this a coincidence? And it just happens to be three American players that play for Canadian teams. At least two definitely want to leave. Maybe three American star players on Canadian teams want to leave. Is it an issue or is it just a coincidence? It could be a mixture of poor timing, like you said. Coincidence. Um, I think it's still premature to assume that people or Canadian teams should be hesitant to, because that's another discussion that Canadian teams should be hesitant to draft American players, draft or trade for American or trade players. for American players. Um, what are some of the reasonings? Honestly, I think it was a Calgary thing. Like you said, that it was a Calgary thing. Yeah, perhaps it might like. I don't know if I would want to play in Calgary if I was an NHL player and I had the options of playing in a bunch of different places that mm. weren't Calgary. Another like another player that comes to mind was Jacob Truba. He wanted out of Winnipeg. Yeah. But that's out of Winnipeg. I would want out of Winnipeg the minute I got drafted by Winnipeg. And then I guess one close to home would probably be Ryan Kessler. Yep. But see, I don't know if that was him wanting to play in the States or him wanting to play on a competitive team or and like the Canucks were still relatively I guess competitive at the time but not really that was the the first trade Benning made um and it was kind of the the kickstart to what they called a retool on the fly which was actually a poorly executed rebuild well poorly executed so far um yeah I guess what I'm saying is I don't know if that was him wanting to play in the states because he said I will go to Anaheim or Chicago. You cannot trade me anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And obviously Anaheim took him, but it was just because those two teams were kind of Stanley Cup favorites, I think. Or at least in a position where they could challenge for a Stanley Cup more likely than the Canucks. Well, that's another factor, right? You're thinking maybe Matthew Kachuk now thinks like he can't win in Calgary. Um, Because Johnny left. Because Johnny left. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talked about this before the show. Matthew Kachuk gives off the winning vibes. He want he definitely is a wanting to win type of player. Um, in terms of playing in the states, I mean, like tax rates are more favorable. The mm-hmm. housing market is is a little more friendly. I mean, Calgary is not too bad for housing. I guess, but just like the nation as a whole. Yeah, you're thinking Vancouver, Toronto. Um, less pressure in some of the markets. Maybe you're Most the type of, of player that doesn't want to. Be in the limelight. Mm-hmm. I think that's more, uh, it's tough because everything about Matthew Kachuk makes it seem like he's a guy that wants the attention. He mm-hmm. wants to thrive in a place that would really care about him. And I think maybe that's, uh, as far as rumored teams, it's St. Louis, uh, Nashville, Vegas, and I think a couple Dallas, other ones. Dallas. Which is kind of out of pocket yeah and like dallas is a weird team where they like could be good but also very boring yeah like very boring have fun in dallas matthew yeah um but st louis makes sense because like he was born there mm-hmm. his dad played on the team that makes sense it's kind of the boring destination i would say for him just because 
it it makes the most sense. It's logical, but also everyone expects it. It'd be like if Johnny Goudreau went to Philadelphia. Yeah. We'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But I think that's why people are so mad about this whole situation with Johnny as well. Because he went to Columbus. He went to Columbus. I hope Matthew yeah. goes to Columbus. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be the best heel turn ever. <laughs> Line A for Kachuk, straight up. Who says no? Calgary says no. Um, well, yeah, what is Calgary going to do now, though? Like, what is their what is their plan to go forward with? Are they going to try and maintain what what they had going last season? Or is it going to be a retool, a rebuild? They yeah. still have a lot of players in question, like Jacob Markstrom, Toffoli, Tanev, Coleman. Um, so they can't really clear the cap space they'd want to for a full overhaul rebuild. That's the thing. is it, It's also, and I forget who talked about it on the station yesterday, but someone did talk about it. I think it might have been... Um, I, I'm not even going to say who it was. I forget who it was. But <laughs> they, the thing is, it's kind of bad timing for the Flames. Like if Goudreau, like if they had known about this Goudreau situation that they weren't going to get him and that Kachuk was going to want out all at once, then it would have maybe, maybe made sense to trade Jacob Markstrom yes, or not yesterday, a couple weeks ago when the goalie trade market was heating up and you could have gotten a lot for him and there was all these teams that really did need goalies, namely Toronto, Washington, Edmonton. And obviously, I don't think Calgary would be trading Markstrom to Edmonton, but the other two teams might have made some sense. Now that ship has kind of sailed, those teams have goalies. It's a little harder to see where he might end up if they did want to trade him. And the same goes for, like, look, you can trade Chris Tanna pretty easily. He's on a decent contract. Not much term left, and he's a right-handed defenseman. They're always going to have some value. It's going to be hard to trade Blake Coleman, and you do have a few other pieces as well. Elias Lindholm, you have some other guys that do have some value, and it it's tough because you do kind of owe those players a, a shot at the cup. That's what they signed there to do. Blake Coleman didn't sign in Calgary because he thought they were going to rebuild and he was just going to make some money. Jacob Markstrom didn't sign in Calgary because he thought they were going to rebuild like the Vancouver Canucks were. He thought they were going to compete for a cup. And the bigger issue is if you do trade Matthew Kachuk, and this is kind of what you were getting at, what are you targeting in that trade? Are you targeting futures or are you targeting players that can make an impact on your roster right now? Logically, you would say futures, but there's no team that can really fit in Matthew Kachuk's cap. So like, you might end up being forced into a position where you have to try to contend next season. Yeah. Like how, how many future picks? Would, it would be like four first-round picks. Which is essentially what the Flames would get if, they, mm-hmm. uh, if Kachuk was offersheeted by a team right now. They would get four future first-round picks, which I honestly – I don't think he would get that in a trade. I think he would get a really good prospect, a pretty good roster player, and a first-round pick. Just based on what we've seen around the market for premier players, Mm -hmm. you kind of always think they're going to get more than they do. Like, you look at Jack Eichel, that's essentially what he got. Yeah, yeah. So let's circle back to this whole Austin Matthews, because I think it's interesting. And... I would I would love to see that happen to Toronto fans especially if they the the best way for this to happen from a Vancouver point of view and 
you just really want Toronto to feel pain. Mm -hmm. The best way for this to happen would be the Leafs finally win one round in the playoffs. Right. Things are looking up. Matthews does need a new contract. Oh, and he's gone. That would be the best. I don't think in that sense he would leave then. I think it depends on how the Leafs pan out. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if he cares. Yeah. I think he... He's either committed to staying there, and he very well might be. I'm not saying yeah. he's he's 100% leaving because we, we don't really know what's going on. But I think in his own mind, he's either thinking he's going to stay or he's going to leave. And not much could change unless maybe they win a cup or they do. Maybe if they do keep losing in the first round, he says, you know what? something's not right here. I just want to get out of this situation before I sign long-term and I end up being in this situation for longer than I hope. Do you think he would be a bigger star if he did move to an American market? No. Well, it's Well, there's the argument, like, think of, like, ESPN and TNT. He would be the face of their brand, essentially. Yeah, it would depend on where he went. Right. If he went to Arizona? (laughs) Yeah. But honestly, the the other thing, and we were talking about this before the show, if he went to Arizona, is there a chance that he wants to go there? Not just because he's from there, but because they're so on the brink of, hey, you need to move this team. Nothing's going right. It was It's similar to what happened in Pittsburgh before they got Crosby. There was talks about them, I think, going to like Hamilton to play. They were going to re- relocate to Hamilton because they didn't have enough money. And then they got Crosby in. All of a sudden, the franchise turned around. Now there's no question about whether they're even going to move. Does he think maybe he could do that for Arizona as well? And he he's the reason the hometown boy keeps the Coyotes in Arizona. And obviously, they've got that arena situation kind of figured out now in Tempe, and that's going to help a lot too. But having a star player playing in your market, getting butts in seats, even if it's only 5,000 butts in seats, because that's where they're going to be playing for the time being, that's really helpful in trying to keep a franchise in one spot. Um, The other American player that we wanted to bring up that might be considering leaving, right here in Vancouver, JT Miller. Right. And I don't know if it's a similar situation to the other two, mainly because, again, we're it's a lot of speculation on Matthews. Kachuk... He's already said, hey, I'm not going to sign here. Miller, Miller's a bit different because he. it seems like he does want to sign in Vancouver, but the price has to be right. Mm-hmm. But on, at the same time, I do think he might rather want to play in the States. And he might take less money in the States as opposed to what he might take in Vancouver. And that's speculation. That's not yeah. reporting or anything. Why do you get that vibe, though? Just based on, like, and, and maybe it's just the nature of what teams have been interested in trading for him. Mm-hmm. There haven't been really any Canadian teams. And it, it would seem weird. The, the other thing is, like, I don't see him re-signing in a Canadian city other than Vancouver. And so maybe that doesn't make it more likely he'll play in the States. I just don't think he'll play anywhere other than Vancouver if he stays in Canada. I also just really don't think it's realistic for the Canucks. I had given up the hope a month ago. A There's, month ago. A that month, that they were going to, like, he was not going to stay? Yeah. 
Um, I mean, this has been going on since the trade deadline. Oh, man. Hearing JT Miller's name, like, stresses me out now. Yeah. I get so mad. But we even talked about this last week. Like, he runs the risk of getting hurt, not having as good of a season. Uh, so they need to resolve this whole JT Miller situation before the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. It's in both sides' best interest to get this figured out before the end of the offseason. Completely. The thing is, is I don't, I think there's still a big hole in the blue line for the Canucks. I don't think they're going to be able to contend for the next two to three years. We've already talked about this. So it just doesn't make sense. It, it's tough. Cause... And I think he knows that. I think that he would rather be a part of a team that is a little closer. Mm-hmm. And I do think this team, it's so difficult because you're right. You do have to change. You, you have to improve the defense. And you look at options at improving the defense. And the really obvious one is trading JT Miller and getting a defenseman back. And hopefully that's kind of what fixes the issue. You take a bit of a hit. Up front, obviously, but you get some much-needed help on defense if that's how the trade goes down. Whereas if you resign him, you're put put in a situation where you either have to trade your captain if you if you really think that it's Miller over Horvat. I do think the Canucks believe they can fit both of them in the cap, but then someone from the forward group has to go. Right. Like you're you're maybe looking at someone like Connor Garland. I think. People, Tanner Pearson. Tanner, but yeah, I think they would like to trade Tanner Pearson. I think he's overrated, and I, I, I don't know if many people would agree on the station that he's overrated. He's overrated. Yeah, I think people dislike him a lot. There's a couple people. Wow, oh, Dan Riccio that, loves him. Yeah, but that he loves everyone. He loved Tucker Pullman for a bit. That's tough. I do think Tanner Pearson for the last season was fair value for his contract. Mm-hmm. That being said, if they can move him move him. But I think they would have moved him if that opportunity had come up already. I don't think teams are at a point... My mic just cut out there. Uh, I don't think teams are at a point where they are so desperate that they didn't get someone in free agency that they're already going down to the Tanner Pearson tier of players. Also, speaking of going down, the prospect line is just horrendous for yeah. the Canucks. What was the ranking? Number 27? 27 was what I saw. Right, 32. Like, pretty much right at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And we can thank Jim Benning for thank that Thank you, one. Jim. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> yeah. uh, so <laughs> it's hard to say what management will do, uh, but they have limited cap space. So whatever they decide with JT Miller is going to be the beginning of the domino effect. Yeah, if they should... If they decide to keep him, there's going to be multiple situations that happen if you keep him and if you trade him. And we'll, it, we'll have to see how it turns out. It's so hard to – I feel so bad every time we bring him up, but everything related to this team relies on him. And so it's hard to speculate on anything else until we talk about what happened or what's going to happen with Miller. And so we kind of have to keep talking about it. Uh, But we're going to break now, and we're not going to talk about it on the other side. We're going to talk Blue Jays with Nick Ashbourne right here on Sportsnet tonight with Josh and Lena on Sportsnet 650.
Sportsnet tonight. Josh Elliott Wolf, Lena Sitagian, Ben Bazram producing. Benji. Benji. How do you like the Benji name? He doesn't like it. I don't like it. Basketball Benji? I don't know if I like the Benji part. Uh, Benji turn? Let's mix them all together. Isn't it better than the intern? Ben turn. I feel like we're giving you more respect for Ben for your name than Ben Turn. Maybe maybe you're right. Right? It has been a couple months now. Like I I'm, obviously I'm still an intern, but I don't know. You're not into your family. <laughs> Is that an was that an Italian I'm accent? Not sure Is that, that a Riccio impersonation? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, what is happening? It wasn't very good. Uh, I think I'm sitting in a spot. I think it's a weird Yeah, it's just an aura. You get yeah. a vibe when you're sitting there. Forget about it. <laughs> um so it is Sportsnet tonight. We're going to be joined by Nick Ashbourne in a matter of moments here. We're going to talk a bit about the Blue Jays and how they've been doing this season, how they're setting up for the second half of the season. Uh, specifically, he recently wrote about Alec Manoa, former Vancouver Canadian. Yes. Uh, we want to talk about him. And he's been, I don't know if I would say Cy Young favorite, but he has been in- He's in the talks. He's in the conversation. The conversation, which is wild. Yeah, for a, for a sophomore pitcher. And he put on a show. In the All-Star in game? In the All-Star he game. He might have been the star of the All-Star game. Yeah. With that mic'd up pitching inning, struck out the side, mm-hmm. taking pitching su- suggestions from John Smoltz and just nailing a dude on the foot, but that's fine. <laughs> um, it, he, he did w- hit exactly where- John said. Yeah, it was a back foot slider. Yeah. He hit the back foot. There you go. That's that's what he was told to do. Uh, we will welcome in Nick Ashbourne, Blue Jays writer for Sportsnet and co-host of Blue Jays Happy Hour Now. Nick, thanks for taking the time. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. You know, what inspired us to ask you to come on the show was your Alec Manoa article. And now Alec Manoa, you know, he's got a soft spot in our hearts, former Vancouver Canadian He's got our extra con- attention here in Vancouver, but also because of his accelerated timeline. I mean, he was just a rookie about two minutes ago. So uh, now he's made all-star debut with a personality. So have you seen any player come up the ranks like he has? I mean, for the Blue Jays, it's certainly been a long time since he had that kind of success. And, you know, to be fair, the 2020 season, not having the minor leagues that year, kind of made it maybe seem more rapid than it was because he only pitched 35 innings in the minor leagues before making that major league debut. Mm -hmm. He was pretty much outstanding right away. And then I think coming into this year, it would have been fair to expect him to, you know, maybe be about the same, take a step back, but he's found another gear here. You know, he's not only an all-star and like you said, with a personality, which is not a given in baseball by any means, (laughs) Uh, but a guy who's in kind of the fringes of a Cy Young conversation as well. I mean, some things would really have to break his way for that to happen, but, you know, it's more than the Blue Jays possibly could have expected when they drafted him, you know, just over three years ago now with the 11th pick. Uh, So Manoa has been a bright spot in the rotation undeniably, but the rest of the rotation has kind of had their question marks uh, throughout the first bit of the season do you see any signs that it's kind of turning around for the pitching staff, or do you think it's more of a, hey, we just got to deal with what we got and hopefully make an addition at the deadline? I think it depends on the player. You know, Jose Barrios is a good example. He's someone who's pitched significantly better lately, and his struggles early in the season, you know, this is a guy they gave tons of money to on a very lengthy extension, and he came out and pitched 
you know, not just not like an opening day starter, but like a well below average pitcher. And he seems to have righted the ship, which makes sense because his stuff never really went away. His velocity never really went away. It always seemed like a bit of a blip. So he's coming around. You know, Kevin Gosman has had some up and ups and downs. He's dealt with that ankle injuries, had some pitch tipping stuff. I think the Blue Jays would like to believe he's on the right track as well. So I think the whole group is trending up. You could make an argument that Ross Stripling has had probably more success than you'd expect him to have going forward. But you feel pretty good about the four you have. And then I guess the hope for the team would be that maybe you pick up a fifth of the deadline. Yeah, and that's the the deadline is kind of what I want to talk about is my my favorite story of the past week or so has just been everything related to Juan Soto and just every team thinking they can maybe make a run at him and the Blue Jays are kind of no exception there. Um, do you think it's realistic to maybe put some hope that they can try to take a run at Soto or do you think at least for this deadline if he isn't or if he whatever happens with him regardless that they target pitching instead at this deadline? Uh, I would put it this way. I I think the Blue Jays could make a credible offer for Juan Soto. They have the prospects in the organization. They have the players on the big league roster. But doing that would clear out the upper minors, essentially. Uh, it would take some good players off the current roster. And then after that, to make all that worthwhile, you have to sign them to a contract that is you know, potentially $500 million. So at the price of all what that costs, I'd be very surprised if this team was the team to go ahead and do it. I think the team that does that is a team more like the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Mets who kind of have a money is no object type of mentality. And the Blue Jays have certainly spent more money recently. But the idea of getting rid of a lot of players who are potentially cheap and then paying a guy an incredibly expensive contract, that's very difficult to do unless you're willing to run very high payrolls kind of for the foreseeable future. And the Blue Jays have proven they're willing to go higher, but I don't know if they're going to be at the very top of the league, which is sort of what you'd need to do. Now, one of the changes I wanted to lightly touch on uh, we haven't been able to discuss is Charlie Montoyo. Uh, I just wanted you to give us a rating of how, throughout his tenure, um, do you think it was the right time for the change? Um, and John Schneider as well taking over. He's been a part of the organization for so long. Uh, what, what what do you what do you make of all this? It's tough because I think you talk to anyone who spent any time around Charlie Montoyo, and they'll tell you that this is a great human being. That it's someone who was well respected by a lot of people, and really went about things the right way, fought his way through the minor leagues. He's the type of lifer guy that often doesn't get a chance on the biggest stage. And he did, and he had some success there. I understand why the team felt the need to move on from him. He had improved a little bit tactically, but there was also the notion that, you know, he didn't bring as much energy potentially. He didn't kind of kick the players uh, and give them an extra boost when things were going poorly. He was even keel to a fault, which again, it probably depends on which player you ask, how, whether they feel that way. Schneider's a little bit more of the traditional manager from a, the, his persona standpoint, like that, a little bit more of that gruffness, a little bit more of that hard edge. He's had a ton of success at the minor league level. He's extremely well thought of inside the organization. I know he has that interim label, but he's someone that uh, has been considered a potential future Blue Jays manager for a long time now. 
and it's not really a surprise to see him elevated. Whether it's the right or wrong time, we'll see. But the Blue Jays definitely underperformed under Montoya early in the season, and it would be surprising if they didn't do better under Schneider. One of the the early changes we've seen from Schneider, and it's been not a lot of results so far. It's very small sample size, but we did see some shifting in the lineup, uh, mainly kind of in that top four. Obviously, Springer's still leading off, but then you got Vladdy hitting second, Kirk uh, third, and then Bichette in the cleanup. Do you like those changes? I know you wrote a bit about uh, maybe the positives of Bichette hitting cleanup. Uh, yeah, how do you feel about those changes and what else he's done kind of early in this week he's had? Yeah, I mean, from a tactical standpoint, that's probably the biggest move that he's made, and I would definitely be in favor of that move. The sort of sabermetric conventional wisdom is that you want your best hitter hitting second. Bichette really isn't that guy at the best of times, even though he's been a well-above-average hitter. Vladdy is, is the guy you expect to be your best hitter, so putting him there is ideal. Bichette at four is interesting. You know, If it were me, maybe I'd put Teoscar Hernandez at four, if you want to quibble, but Bichette is a guy who puts the ball in play a ton. So if you have him in a position where there's going to be a lot of men on base in front of him, I could see that being really good. But he'd have to take his play up a little bit because through the first half of the season, he's kind of been an average hitter when there's a lot more that he's shown in previous seasons. And just one more on Schneider. Um, obviously, he's still the interim manager at the moment just till the end of the season. It depends a lot on results and how the Blue Jays end up finishing the year, but do you think this is the guy that kind of takes the team to the next level, or do you think he's more of a stopgap and then in the offseason they'll reevaluate? reevaluate? Maybe they go with him, but uh, maybe more likely that they end up with someone else, or do you think he's the, he's the guy long-term? I think it's more likely that he sticks in this job for a while than not. You know, it depends because they have a very talented team. If, for instance, he was going to drive this team into a tailspin and they missed the playoffs by a significant margin, I don't expect that to happen. But if that's what happened, it'd be pretty hard to say, oh, well, that's the guy we want to continue with. But I think if the results are even kind of decent, they'll give him a shot because, uh, you know, he's won at every level he's managed at. He's been in this organization for a long time. He kind of shares the vision that the front office has. And I think he's a leader that the players respect. So right now, you know, it could go either way, like I said, depending on the results. But if I had to make a bet one way or another, I'd say that he ends up being a longer-term answer. It's definitely going to be quite the interesting second half and leading up to the deadline as well. Nick, I appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the second half of the season. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. That was Nick Ashbourne, writer for Sportsnet and co-host of Blue Jays Happy Hour. And the Blue Jays, they are off today. They start a series at home against the Boston Red Sox tomorrow. Sorry, actually in Boston. Fenway Park is where they will be playing. You will be <laughs> nice one. <laughs> that is where they play. Uh, the Jays, so they kind of scuffled into the all-star break it, the the break kind of came at a good time for them because they were on a bit of a downturn obviously anytime you fire your head coach or manager that usually means things aren't going great and so they did that they kind of turned things around but again they were playing very easy opposition in the Phillies when they made the switch and then they played the Royals who were like Already a bad baseball team. Yeah. And then they... Down, what, 10 guys? 10 guys because they were on back. So, 
And the Jays did take three of four, but that honestly, it's it's really tough to expect a four-game sweep of any team. But if it was ever going to happen, that was the scenario. So you do want to see the Jays coming back into the second half on a high because otherwise there there is a real threat that they could miss out on the playoffs by a game or two, especially with the way the Mariners are playing right now and they're playing the Red Sox who are in that conversation as well. So it's going to be an interesting second half for sure. Uh, we have a couple texts, the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, anyone you have in mind that you wanted to hit on? Uh, somebody unsigned. Oh, no, not unsigned. Dan and Langley said compromises three forward lines or trade Miller. So just referring to the fact that there will eventually have to be some of the forward group going in order to keep Miller around. Mm -hmm. Um, is it worth the compromise? Yeah. So the, the thing with the Canucks right now, and I, I can see the argument. I know Canucks central a few days ago went through the forward groups in the Western conference and kind of ranked where the Canucks sat. Uh, and I think you probably put them five, fifth or sixth in the conference, which is good. And it's, it's, not going to hurt them, but it's also, I don't know if the forward group is going to put them over the top, but the big thing is they have a top nine, especially if you play Pedersen, Horvat, and Miller at center. Because you can, you have enough wingers now, now that you added Kuzmanko, you added Mikheyev, that you can legitimately say, hey, we could play these lines equal minutes, and we're going to be happy throwing any of them over the boards. And you can only do that if you keep Miller. So, if you had any idea that you were going to be or try to be competitive this year, that's the situation where you would want to keep Miller and just load up on offense and hope all those lines hit. Paul and Coquitlam, on what date do you guys think the responsibility for the team structure transitions from Jim Benning to the new management team? I'm thinking one year from now. I think that this is the reason why Jim Rutherford, Jim Rutherford and Jim new Rutherford. management <laughs> That was, Rutherford. A, that was a mouthful <laughs> for me. I don't know why. Um, has had so much trouble because there is still so many inefficient contracts that they've unfortunately inherited. It's t it's really difficult to move money right now. Yeah. Everybody around the league has been saying that if you have an onerous contract, maybe a Tyler Myers if you view him that way, maybe a Tanner Pearson if you view him that way, it's really hard to move those players. Because Jason of the, Dickinson's another one. Jason Dickinson. Because teams don't have a lot of cap, and the cap they do have, they don't want to. They don't want our. They don't want our Tanner Pearson. Yeah, it's like, oh, hey, look, we could get a free Tanner Pearson, and they're saying no, thank you. Uh, especially because, look, I do think Myers and Pearson do have val some value around the league. I'm mm -hmm. not saying they're getting first round pick, first round picks back or anything, but I do think the Canucks view it as, hey, if we're not getting anything for them right now, next year they might be more valuable assets and the Canucks might be able to get a second or a third at the draft when there's only one year left on these deals for these guys. And maybe you retain a bit of salary. You do what you can to make it work for the other team to maximize those assets. What team could you see Tanner Pearson or Myers? My the, the problem with Myers is we need a right. Yeah. They, they need team. a, they need a right-handed defenseman. It's, and they're so scarce around the league right now. And that's why in a perfect world, you would trade JT Miller. You get a defenseman back who can 
handle some heavy minutes, and then you move Mil- or move Myers for whatever because it, yeah. y- you don't need someone to fill those minutes anymore. So you're with Paulo. I'm with Quitlam. I'm with A year Paul. from now is when it starts well, looking a little. I would say if they, like you can grade their moves now, but based on based on what they've had control over. And so far to me, I don't even think the, a lot of people are closing the book on Miller and saying, hey, this this team has no plan. What are they doing? Like they're holding on to Miller. What if, what if he just walks as a free agent? We just saw it with Johnny Goudreau. But to me, that, that book isn't closed yet. Like they have till the end of the summer. If they go into the season with someone like Miller and they haven't really made a decision either way, that's when I start to get a bit concerned. But as far as uh, Paul's question, when do you think the responsibility for the team structure transitions? I think there might still be a, more than a year for that. Because right now, how many players has Alvin brought in? Three? Mm-hmm. Kuzmenko, Mikheyev, and Dermot. And Lazar. Those, and Lazar. Yeah, so four. Can't no, forget Lazar. Yeah. Nobody he's forgets a, Curtis Lazar. He's a vital piece. He, well, he's, a, he's, a, he's a difference maker. He's a hometown boy. Sandpaper. Sandpaper. That's what they wanted. Uh, so four guys. Bring I, Tyler Mott back. Well, <laughs> that's a, that's, we want Tyler Mott. <laughs> Lena wants Tyler Mott. I don't know if Patrick Alvey wants Tyler Mott. At no. least not for the price he wants right now. Maybe if Mott takes a discount. But even then, the Canucks have a lot of they kind of have a lot they're, of mods. Yes, they're. I would say they're pretty set for depth now. Yes, for, oh, at a, least a, on one, the forward group. Yes, one little overpaid, but yeah, they needed a McKayev type player, and they got him. And I think there's still upside in his game. And I know for a lot sure. of people say, "Hey, he's a bottom six guy. You overpaid him." I do think he. It, it's the nature of bringing in a guy on day one of free agency. You're probably going to overpay him a little bit. But I do think there's value to be had in Mikheyev. Um, As far as that situation goes, as far as the team transitioning, I think we need to see a few more pieces either moved or brought in by Alvin before we can really start grading the team. And that might be Mm -hmm. a few months. It might be a couple years. It depends on how quickly they want this to turn over. If they start letting players walk for free, that's also kind of an issue. But that hasn't happened yet. Hashtag flames. Rip. Calgary. We're going to talk to Sandra Persina <laughs> later from Calgary, covering the team uh, for Sportsnet 960. Things must be tough there right now. It's yeah. Not a. I want to see how she's handling it. Yeah, man. Like, imagine if Vancouver Re- Sports Radio would just be wild if it was. Okay, like, think of who would be the equivalent. Okay, J.T. Miller walking away Wayne for Hughes free, and Elias Pettersson. Would it though? I guess it. Like, it's your two best players. Yeah. So that I, are young. It would have to be. I would say Goudreau, to me, might be more of a M- Miller. Yeah, I'd say... Just based on age. I'd say a Miller slash, like, Pedersen. Yeah. Leaving. Like, it'd be like if a better Miller, a more proven, better Miller left. And as, like, we talked about before the show, Calgary just lost two, a 200-point... 219 points, 219 goal, points, 82 goals combined. Combined. Gone from their ro- a- well, not act, not yet, okay. but <laughs> trade is imminent. <laughs> trade is imminent. I hope a trade breaks in the next hour. That would be uh, that'd be pretty exciting. Matthew Kachuk changes his mind, signs yeah. eight year deal with Calgary Flames. That, honestly, I'd feel I I would I wouldn't like it because obviously Flames in the Canucks division, it's better if they get weaker. But also, like 
just feel bad for the fans. Only the fans. But it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But as far as a Canucks comparable, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it would be Miller. Who's Kachuk? Like, I guess it has to be Hughes, right? Mm. Or Patterson. Patterson. I don't know, though. There's no one quite like Kachuk. Yeah. It'd be... It's one of the two. Value-wise. Yeah, value-wise, it's one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. Just gutted. And yeah, so if you lost Miller and Hughes, let's say, in one offseason... Does this kind of remind you of, like, the Moneyball movie where you lose Giambi and Damon... Oh, speaking and then of, you're, and then you're just trying to find out, and, the, and like in the scene, they're like, "We lost 75 home runs, 170 RBIs. We gotta like, make this. We up. gotta make this up." And they're like, "No, you just gotta get on base." Yeah. Like, how we, like, we you need guys to figure to out get on base. what is their get on base? Yeah, but I don't know. It just kind of reminds me of the similar situation where you lose two players that were your kind of franchise. Definitely would be comparable. So you've watched, you've watched Moneyball. I love that movie. Oh, it's a, it's a loves, really good movie. You've seen it more than once. I've seen it more than once, too. It's a really good movie. At least 10. Have you seen Happy Gilmore? No. Oh, oh my goodness. Whoa. I told Lena at work yesterday I didn't have time to watch it. So we we talked about, how did you not have time? I'm a you bit, had a week. Yeah, yeah. no. Don't I forgot. Say, don't use the time excuse. And I didn't do it. You actually, I didn't remind you. You instigated the conversation. You did, looked did at I? me and you knew you were hiding something. Yeah. Well. <laughs> He can't. Fib. I didn't watch uh, Goodfellas the first time either. No. Like, ben, so Ben is zero for two on doing this so homework I think the he's first in, time. I think he's in detention yeah. and he's not allowed to speak for this. Actually... How old does he? Sh- she sound now? Like, <laughs> you're in detention. Okay, yeah. whatever. I'm old. Turn around. We get and it. We face get it. the corner. Get out. Get out. That's go for, a good movie. Go for too. a walk. Go for a walk. You should watch Happy Gilmore though. Why did you not watch it? I I am a little disappointed. I'll watch it. I when. We, Give us a time. I don't know, Lena. It's on Netflix. It's the easiest movie this to access. This weekend. I'll watch it this, this weekend. weekend. Weekend right. activity. Nice and wholesome with Ben. The thing is, as well, is I know Ben has been golfing like multiple times. It's morning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't think at one point he'd be like, I wonder if there's something related to this that I was supposed to do. Nope. Focused on my own game. How have your, uh, how have your matches been? They've been good. We got a practice round tomorrow. Right. For a big tournament next week. So we'll see how that goes. Is there a trophy associated with it? Well, or a... next week is the qualifier for the national championship. Oh. So that would be a big trophy. I would hope so. It's the national. It will be very intense. Good we'll luck. see. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so not in detention. Not in detention. Giving him Sorry, detention. I, I actually just started talking to him more. Okay. We got to <laughs> take a break. After the break, we won't talk to Ben. Uh, this is Sportsnet 650. You're listening to Sportsnet tonight with Josh Elliott Wolf, Lena Satagian, Sportsnet 650. Yeah. You are my fire, the one desire. I want it that way. Sportsnet tonight. Josh Elliott Wolf, Lena Satagian, producer Ben Bazran, who, look, last week I think you killed it. Last week I think you were perfect. Thank you. So far this week, one for three. Wow. I'm sorry. 
Okay. I have to be real with you. This is my one for three. I'll say as far as our. Oh, so you like this one, Lena? Yeah, I'm a fan. Okay, sweet. So. I was a big Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys and In Sync were like my era. <laughs> yeah, they were. We know. Mind <laughs> you, I'm only a few years older than both of you, but I had posters. I had an In Sync poster right next to my bed. Um, right. Did you? Backstreet Boys. What's your next question, Josh? <laughs> no, nothing. Or did you, uh, who, you were you were just telling me something. Oh, you were saying Big Willie style. It was, was in my also, heavy rotation. It was in your heavy rotation. It came out in 97. How was it in your heavy rotation? I was, well, okay. She so, was 10. <laughs> I was not 10. <laughs> um, I was three. Right. And I was just spitting Big Willie style. <laughs> Big Willie style. Wow. With no slight idea of what he could do. Just a short just 20, millions of years 25 years later. Yeah. Surely this guy could never do anything wrong. Listen, one of the best albums of all time is Big Willie Style. That's a, that's a heavy, false No, statement. come on. I mean, like, it's Will Smith. I don't know. You know what's embarrassing is last year in my Spotify wrap-up, I guess I had a big Big Willie Style stint. He for was like, in the top five? He was in my top five. And also 50 Cent. That's a... I respect that. That's a that's a weird mix, though. Is How it? do you go from a Will Smith song to a Fifty Cent from song? no swearing to all swearing? Yeah, that's my. Were, vibe. So you were pretty pumped Moody. when he showed up at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Fifty Cent. Yeah, yeah. His, his He's hanging from the was, ceiling. Yeah, I was just gonna say the performance was top notch. Before we get into our next topic, I have a question for you guys. Music wise, are you the people that when you're by yourself, you will play certain music but as soon as someone gets in the car yes you're playing different music yeah are you that person yeah i'll play like some, i am that person. i'll play some pop songs when i'm by myself and then when someone gets it it depends on who gets in okay because i usually know kind of what their music sense is like because usually i'm familiar with whoever's getting so you in cater, my car you cater, to what's, them? cater. what's your standard if you don't know if i don't vibe? know i'll honestly i'll turn on the radio and i'll what? be like Whoa. but i'll be like hey cool like respect Here's my phone if you want to play some vibes. music. But I don't know what to do. Well, what you just ask them. Yeah, but that's that's more awkward. That's so awkward though. Because then, like, they, what do you listen what to? What do you like to listen to? Then they well, say. Well, you don't say it robotically. <laughs> what you just do say, you like, like to listen to? Like, what are you in the mood to listen to? Well, the, but then they. But then say, that just gets so general, and it's like, okay, well, I don't know what artist. Like, it, yeah. I don't know. It gets complicated. Do you say hip hop? Do you say right? I want to hear Kendrick Lamar specifically. Guess or, what. It's my vehicle, my tunes. Baby. I want to hear the blues. Then why did you ask? Because I'm curious how you operate your everyday life. Because I, I sounds, play my music. It sounds stressful that you cater to other people. But I play like cool music when someone else gets in the car. So what's, exactly. your, what's your uncool music? Sometimes I'll well, just like, hit shuffle on top hip hop songs when someone gets in the car. Yeah, and then it's like no one's going to judge you for that. Yeah. You got Jack Harlow I'm by there. myself. You know, you're hitting. Jason Derulo on repeat. Yeah. Of course. That, that's a solo song though. <laughs> Riding solo. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Let's go. <laughs> that one worked out. But, All right. 650, so 650 into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Let us know what playlists, what music you listen to. But I will say, Jeffro, I need to read this text because it's more Ben chirping. Uh-oh. This has become quite the like staple of the show in just two shows. That's right. Ben getting roasted. If he did awesome. his homework, we'd be praising. 
I would. I'd be asking you questions about the movie. What was your favorite part? Yeah. Did you learn any golf tips? Because <laughs> there are many. Emphasis on, a, on the hips. I know that yeah. there's a shot that people do in golf named the Right, but moment. you wouldn't even be able to do it. Yeah. No, you'd you you'd trip over your feet. Exactly. Probably. You'd probably kick the ball. Do you even you probably, know how to golf? Yeah. No. Okay. Step one, watch Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Got it. Then you'll be fine. Get in a batting cage. Take some baseballs. A, a batting cage? Yeah. That's oh, right. Oh, my goodness. If Take you... some baseballs to the to the chest. No pads allowed. This sounds very intense. Then you'll be you'll be properly trained. How can you do Adam Sandler wrong like that and not watch one of his best movies? What did Jeff Rowe say about me that he was tripping me about? Uh, Hasn't seen Goodfellas or Happy Gilmore? Question mark, question mark, question mark. What's going on over there? I have Prob- seen Goodfellas. Probably hasn't seen Forrest Gump either. I have seen that too. Life, oh. is, life is like a box of chocolates. Yeah. I I will say. I Just didn't... like Josh's golf game. He never knows what he's going to get. Oh. You know what? That's true. On he a, just reverse you know uno you. Yeah. Bang. You, you win this round. But I will, say, two for three. I will say I know kind of what my golf game is going to be. I don't know what my drives are going to be. That's my issue. That's fair. And I think I figured it out though. I haven't. I went to the range, worked on some things, right. and I think I'm gonna break seventy. Wow! Yeah, going straight from on the a, front nine. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> going straight from a ninety-five to a seventy. Actually, uh, I shouldn't laugh at. Yeah, Lena's jokes. like, ha ha. Oh yeah, he's in detention. He's in detention. Lena laughed really hard. I did. I enjoyed no, that just, one. That was a good one. She, her mic wasn't even on, and I could hear it. Made me feel a little bit. Laugh loud. Uh, Keith, the water guy, is asking about OT. He, he actually pegged it Ladies' Lounge, which I think is a better show name. Yeah, you should have gone with that one. I should have gone with Ladies', ladies lounge. lounge with <laughs> Lena, Caroline, and Lindsay. <laughs> but yes, uh, Caroline, Lindsay, and I will still continue to do OT. We're just on a little bit of a summer break. Everyone needs a break. Everyone needs and a I break. And I will say Caroline does morning updates. Yes. It's really hard to go from hosting a show, especially on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Your first day of the week, you wake up early in the morning, then you have to stay up late, and then the whole rest of the week, you have to wake up she, early. She has to get up at like 4 a.m. I could never. And she tends to three markets, Calgary, Toronto, and Vancouver. She, she has, has to, to do... do different updates for each of them. Yes. Which is way too stressful. She's a busy gal, and Lindsay is uh, busy sideline reporting for uh, the Fraser. Fraser Valley Bandits and the yeah. CEBL. So... Uh, everybody is busy and we are waiting for the hockey season to come back and OT will flourish once more. But for now, Lena and I were free. We're like so free. <laughs> yeah. We need some hours and that's why we're here. Um, Sportsnet tonight. There was some news today out of the National Football League. Ah. Arizona Cardinals quarterback, Kyler Murray. Signing a five, well, signing through the year 2028, a five-year, $230.5 million contract. So that means per year, he is getting $46.1 million, which makes him the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Behind? Deshaun Watson. No, Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) You're close. (laughs) Maybe too close. Almost. Uh... (laughs) Uh, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers has a three-year contract. He gets paid $50.3 million per season. The only quarterback over $50 Ah, uh, yes, of Missed course. Missed it by that much. Missed Deshaun by Watson, 
the my favorite part about this is I feel like Kyler was like, who was the last quarterback to sign a contract? Okay, Deshaun Watson, he got forty six million per year. Mm-hmm. I want one hundred thousand more per year. That's very Doctor Evil esque. I would do it. One hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> ben, have you seen Austin Powers? Nope. Ben, what do you do in your free time? Golf. Okay, but there's nighttime. You can't golf at nighttime. Sleep. Simulation. Golf simulation. <laughs> He's got to grow. Visualization. <laughs> He's picturing the course. He's just playing PGA Tour 2K21. It's pretty fun. It is. It is. It is. You can. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, by the way, comes in fourth. I'm just going to roll through the top okay, 10 yeah, of, of quarterbacks, how they're paid. So first is Aaron Rodgers. Second now is Kyler Murray. Third, Deshaun Watson. Fourth, Patrick Mahomes. Fifth, Josh Allen, $43 million. Overpaid. You're wrong. Derek Carr, sixth. He's overpaid. Uh, Dak Prescott tied for seventh with Matt Stafford. Both get paid $40 million. Kirk Cousins tied for ninth. Go Vikings. He gets paid too much money. $35 million per year. And Russell Wilson of the Denver Broncos. Oh. $35 million per year on a four-year, $140 million contract. So... That's the top 10, how they're paid. What I wanted to do here is let's do a top 10 ranking of quarterbacks just in general, how they play, and we'll see how it stacks up against how they're paid. So let's start at the top. Lena, who's your who's your best quarterback? Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. That's the same for me. The only kind of season-wise sketchiness in the Kansas City Chiefs, they're still going to be a very strong team, is the loss of Tyree Kill. Going to Miami. Welcome to Miami. Welcome to Miami. (laughs) Will Smith. Will Smith. He's really a... Is that a guilty pleasure song? I actually kind of like it, though. I like it. I love it. It's a good song. It's not a guilty pleasure song. It's a cool song. I got a feeling Ben's going to go two for four after this segment. Um, So that is... My number one as well, Patrick Mahomes. I do think, as far as the receiver situation goes, mm-hmm. they got Juju Smith-Schuster. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be okay because I think Mahomes could throw to me and I would look like an elite wide receiver. Uh, ben, who's your number one if you had to pick? We're putting you on the spot. Right yeah, so I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback for a full season, but the question changes for me when I need a game to win. Don't you say it. Don't you say it. This and is going to be the most th- Ben answer ever. This is, is something Mike. where <laughs> when you have a game to win or you need one drive, two-minute warning, I'm going with Tom Brady. Tom Terrific. Yep. Tom. By the way. Tom Brady. I didn't mention Brady in the top 10 because he's not one of the top 10 highest-paid quarterbacks. He What's is, his pay? He is the 16th highest-paid quarterback. Comes in right under Jimmy Garoppolo. Whew. He's a team player. Yeah. Garoppolo gets paid 27.5. Tom Brady gets paid 25. Where is Jimmy G going to go? I I, Honestly, I hope he goes to Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's going to end up there because Seattle... Look, Pete Carroll's so old. (laughs) He's not there for a rebuild. And, like, he, he wants to be competitive. Sees Jimmy G not as a high value guy, but as a guy that is better than Drew Locke. And I could see him going to Seattle. Garoppolo will probably get injured week three. Then you got to use Drew Locke anyway. But that being said, 
I, if it works out, I think Jimmy G's kind of underrated. People like to clown on him, but he gets injured a lot, and that's kind of the problem. Uh, so a lot of so I got Patrick Mahomes number one. Lena has Patrick Mahomes number one. Maybe we'll just do a top five here because I don't know if we have time for a top ten. Ben, you have Tom Brady number one. I have Patrick Mahomes number one. Asterisks one game. I'm taking Tom Brady, but Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. You're right. Okay. Okay, so we all we agree then. Overall for a season, I want Mahomes. Okay, so overall for a season, Lena, who do you want? If you Patrick Mahomes is off the board, who's your number two? This is a I, long pause. So dramatic. It's conflicting. I think Joe Burrow. Joe oh Burrow, one oh Super Bowl goodness. appearance, and you are all in. I wow. mean, he is as a, as a team. Cincinnati has improved their O line. They have the best receiving duo in the NFL in Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. T. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Maybe it's just because I'm a Vikings fan, and I think Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are a little bit better. I also think that, honestly, if Seattle had someone to throw the ball, DK Metcalf and, like, Jamar Chase, I think, is really, really, really good. How about Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup? That might, that's up there. Beckham has a torn ACL, but just saying that that should be in the conversation. It's yeah. very true. It's very true. That's up there. Devontae Adams and um, who's that other Raiders receiver? The Raiders have a couple of good receivers as well. So there's a lot of competition, but Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are up there. And I think Chase puts that over the top a little bit. I just don't know if Burrow – something about Burrow to me just isn't elite. You know what I mean? His yeah. athleticism. I think that might be it. Like he just needs better protection. Yeah. Don't we all? We all need protection sometimes. And that includes Joe Burrow. But you have him second. I would say second for me, Josh Allen. Totally with you on that. All right. So Ben and I going Josh Allen number two. He's okay. just a dual threat. And the way he's built, it's like it's the opposite yeah. of Joe Burrow. Yeah, he's got arm strength for days, and, and he can run. He's, and he's, he's six a real speedy and like boy. Two thirty. Yeah, he's, it's. Uh, I agree. Every time I think about Josh Allen from now on, I'll think about that AFC Championship game. That was like one of the best football games I have ever seen. Chiefs and Bills, just going down to the wire, going to overtime. It was amazing. And Josh division Al- game because Cincinnati. Division game, sorry, yes, Mr. Division Joe game. Burrow. Yes, got it done. <laughs> Uh, Joe Burrow got it done. You know what? Credit to him. He beat Patrick. Yeah, he respects. beat Patrick Mahomes. No full respects. Um, but that being said, Josh Allen, my number two. So my number three is not Joe Burrow. It is Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay, who, that's fair. I I think like last year he had a really good year. His rookie year he had a really good year. I think this year he's going to cement himself as a top three quarterback in the NFL. Maybe and he can lower his interceptions. Maybe. That would help. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron I, Rodgers. I would have to agree. I'm not putting A-Rod a- outside of the top three. I think that would be slightly disrespectful. I'm okay with disrespecting Aaron Rodgers. Not just because not a I'm fan. a Vikings fan, but because also I just don't like Aaron Rodgers as a dude. I mean, I'm not taking personalities. <laughs> I, I can't. I'm just talking about you step over the sideline. What can you do between the painted white lines? And Fair he enough. can do special things 
that not many people on this earth can do. Yes. I just wonder if but now without, without Devontae Adams. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be without interesting. Without Devontae Adams, without a chin strap, because he... Take, hot take here, possibly. I think he could be better. I think he Without Devontae? I think he could. I think he forced a lot of balls last year to Devontae, who was in double coverage, and now he's going to have the opportunity opportunity to kind of spread the love around, and he's not going to be forced to throw into deep coverage, tough coverage, and he can use his talent when guys are just in single coverage to, to find the open spots, hit his windows, and put the ball in places that only his receiver uh, can get. And I think uh, this season could be one where Aaron Rodgers is like, I'm, I'm that guy still. My question is, who is he throwing to? Christian Watson. Yeah, like Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard. They can all catch. They can, well, kind of. Yeah. But you do, you do still. I think every elite quarterback still needs that one receiver. You know what I mean? Like Patrick Mahomes might struggle a little bit more now, but but because he lost Tyreek Hill, but also he has Travis Kelsey, so I think that kind of makes up for it. Mm-hmm. Whereas. I don't think Aaron Rodgers has anyone worth – every quarterback needs a guy that can throw it up and know he at least has a 50% chance at catching it regardless of what kind of coverage he's in. And Devontae Adams was 100% that guy. I don't think anybody else on their roster right now is going to make up for the loss of Devontae. Yeah, they're going to have to try and find some legs. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's so, a there's a major lack of skill. Yeah. Who's your number three? Maybe Tom Brady. Maybe. See I'm not prepared. I'm now I'm like thinking, well, Josh Allen. Yeah. Jo- it, it's tough because it's tough. every time I'm like, you know what? Someone's gonna be better than Tom Brady this year. Nobody is. Well, last year. So like Tom Brady like I said it in the beginning of this, is the guy where you want with one game in a playoff game. Like, what a great comeback he had against the Rams last year after being down. Like, they almost pulled it off. Mm-hmm. And they, like, his last touchdown, what a throw. And then they gave up a – it was a dumb coverage and Cooper Cup made the great play. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, they lost. But he's still that guy where you, you trust him. And so putting him in the top three, Lena, I don't think is blasphemy at all. He just doesn't have the arm strength anymore that's why you don't take him for a season though yeah take him for a game take him for one game. so i think i'm gonna switch it to josh allen but i will say i don't think he ever had much arm strength like obviously he's he had some arm strength he's an elite the best of all time but his thing was never chucking it downfield it was Mm. just picking apart defenses play by play and just being so methodical and he can still do that but yeah it's tough everyone Everyone reaches a point where they need more help from other people on their team. And I think Tom's reaching that point. But again, he's probably going to prove me wrong. Uh, My number four, I will put Joe Burrow there. Joe Burrow is number four to me. So, so far I've gone Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Burrow. Who's your number four? I'm going to go number four, Tom Brady. So you want Allen, then Brady. Yeah. Who's your number four? I'm going Tom Brady, number four. Okay. Or Kyler Murray. No. <laughs> no. So that's what that that's why we're doing this exercise is because mm-hmm. I want to see where Kyler Murray kind of ends up for all of us. I just don't know if he's actually in the top five. That's what I'm gonna. So my fifth would be Tom Brady, and my fifth would be Justin Herbert. Or what about where does Russell Wilson lie? Maybe number four, number mm-hmm. five, number six. Nope. So 
if I, without explaining why I choose all of this, so I'll go Patrick Mahomes, number one, Josh Allen, number two, Justin Herbert, number three, Burrow, four, Brady, five. Then it's kind of, I guess we can throw Aaron Rodgers at number six for me. Would you put Stafford above I was just going to say, Sta- and- Stafford is someone you have to give respect to, yeah. maybe above Wilson, maybe above Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. like for sure above Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott. Like Stafford yeah. is definitely, I think, better than those guys. Stafford's, he's a gamer. He's a, he's in that conversation. Honestly, he probably could be top five on a lot of lists. I just think personally I would take the other guys above him. But so, yeah, let's put Rodgers there, Stafford's there. Wilson is around that conversation as well. I don't know if there's anybody at Lamar. You mentioned him. So out of those four. Dak? Yeah, Dak. So out of those five, Rodgers, or we'll take Rodgers out because he's obviously better than Kyler. So we'll go Stafford, Dak, Lamar, and Wilson. How many of them do you take above Kyler Murray? Say the names again. Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson. Matthew Stafford, Lamar Jackson. Okay, so I take Kyler Murray over Lamar Jackson. Okay. I think he's a better thrower than Lamar. Definitely. I take Kyler Murray over Dak Prescott. I think he's more consistent than Dak Prescott. Right. And I think he's more he's more agile. Like Dak can move, but Kyler Murray's elusive. Yeah, and he had the injury. So I take it's... Matthew Stafford over Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. And the last name was? Russell Wilson. Tough, right? They're That's kind of tough. the same player. They're kind of the same guy, but Kyler's younger. Right. So you take Kyler, but they're kind of can do the same thing. I'd and, take Kyler. And they both do the same thing in a season too, where they're really good for the first half and then fall off in the second half. It just gives me a lot of pause seeing what happened to Arizona last year. Like it was really like it was eight they were eight no to start. Mm-hmm. And then they just fell off a cliff. Yeah. That makes you think. It, it's it, especially because like Kyler has done this before where he starts really good and then kind of just it fizzles out a little bit. It It's tough to see him getting paid as the second highest paid quarterback when we're having a conversation about him maybe being top 10. Do you think that the fall off is he gets tired because he gets asked to do so much? Like what do you chalk that up to for why this is continuously happening and why it's happened to Wilson over his career as well. I think it's just the, yeah, it's the style of how they play. He threw over 3,700 yards, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray. Yeah. And I wonder, I would have to look at it myself, how much of that came in the early part of the season when, yeah. they, when the Cardinals were legitimately like doing really great. But it's t- there are a lot of elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think in a more down time where maybe there weren't so many guys, he'd be a top five. But I think we can all agree Kyler Murray should not be the second highest paid quarterback. But you kind of have no choice if you're Arizona. You have to keep him. Mm-hmm. But but with, when it comes to paying guys, it's not like they're all getting paid at the same time. It's kind of no. like the market bears. So if, if all these guys were up for contract, I don't think he'd be the second highest paid player. Mm-hmm. Like it'd be a competition, right? So it just kind of fluctuates who's up. Like in next year, whoever's a UFA. So like Herbert and Lamar. is going to become the next mm-hmm. highest paid player. So I think it just is always in fluctuation. For but sure. We're definitely in agreement that he's not a top five player. Or not yeah. five, top five top quarterback. Top quarterback. Sorry. All right. So there I'd we go. Maybe put him at fifth. Maybe. Maybe. Who are, you, who are you kicking out then? So we'd kick. Uh... I honestly don't even remember who I said. <laughs> I was like. 
total blackout. It was, it was that last segment was just a blur for for Lena, um, but I think we can all agree he's. There's also an element to his game where it's very easy if he's on to put him top five, but we need to see that for a full season. Or Russell Wilson. I can agree with that. Yeah. All right. We're going to go to break. On the other side, Sandra Persina from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary is going to join us. We're going to talk Flames. We're going to talk Kachuk. We're going to talk about how sad it is in Calgary right now. It's tough Very times. Sad. I assume the weather's great, maybe. Oh. I haven't checked. Have not It's checked. the sunniest city is it in Canada. Good? It's been storming. It's been storming? It's not the sunniest city in Canada right now. <laughs> <laughs> tough break. Okay, we'll... Talk about that on the other side. This is Sportsnet tonight with Josh Elliott Wolf and Lena Satagian on Sportsnet 650. Sportsnet tonight. Josh Elliott Wolf, Lena Satagian, producer Ben Bazran. Two for four. Banger of a song. Everyone, everyone likes it. It's 50%. 50% is a pass. That's all you need. Hi, Uh, Will. (laughs) Wow. You don't need to sing along. We do not need to sing along. Uh, By the way, we were talking football last segment. The BC Lions are playing right now. Uh, they're taking on the Hamilton Tiger Cats at BC Place. That game is scoreless. It's in the uh, first quarter pretty early. Um, we're going to talk to Sandra Persina from Sportsnet 960 in a couple moments here. We're going to talk about the Calgary Flames. We're going to talk uh, Matthew Kachuk. He wants to leave. I'm just going to ask Does how, he? How, the, how things are going in Calgary. Have You, you haven't heard? Kachuk wants to go. Yeah. But didn't Johnny Goudreau just leave? He did. Wow, chaos, chaos yeah. in Calgary. You would, you might say things aren't going well. No. Who do you think? Uh, do you think Canucks fans feel bad for Flames fans right now? Absolutely not, considering the fact that they pegged the Flames, the Calgary Canucks. Yes. Because so many former Canucks moved over to the Flames, <sighs> including Tyler Toffoli. Yeah. Eventually, just the, the he, last he dagger. He made his way there. Yes. The yeah. last dagger, though, yeah. was the Toffoli going to Calgary. My favorite thing would be if Miller somehow ends up there. I doubt it would happen, but you never know. Uh, let's welcome in Sandra Persina from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Sandra, thanks for uh, taking the time. How are the vibes out in uh, in Calgary right now? Well, let me tell you, the sun is shining, and... We're okay. <laughs> We're okay. The the last week has been very sobering here, if mm-hmm. that's a word that I can use. A little bit of shock, a little sobering, but at the end of the day, it's sports, and I think people are learning the hard way that you can't get too attached to players. You can just cheer for the logo on the front of the jersey and maybe not so much the name on the back. <laughs> it seems to be coming into an era that, like you just said, it, it's more the the logo on the front of the jersey than the player. First off, where do we place you in this category? Because there's been a lot of really upset and angry Calgary, fa- Calgary Flames fans in media mm-hmm. and just fans themselves. Um, how do you feel about, A, Johnny Goudreau leaving, and B, 
Kachuk with the imminent trade? Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, I'm a born and raised Calgarian, Ooh. so naturally take me out of the profession of broadcasting and covering <laughs> the team. I, I do cheer for them and I wish them well. However, the Gaudreau situation did take me aback just given where it was because it was all but signed. So it just appeared that they were negotiating in poor faith. And you learn the hard way sometimes that, yes, this is a business and players, maybe they don't care about their legacy as much as we do about seeing their name and numbers in the rafters and having you know, little kids wearing your jerseys and seeing you as their hero. At the end of the day, everybody looks out for number one. And I think that was the hardest thing with Johnny Gaudreau because his family had essentially become part of the Flames family. And the organization had consistently rolled out the red carpet for them and and treated them so well, including Johnny Gaudreau and his wife, Meredith. So it was difficult. It was a tough pill to swallow. And I think almost driving that knife further and twisting it a little bit was the fact that he ended up signing with Columbus and certainly no disrespect to Ohio. Columbus is a great sports city, but knowing that he went there for less money and, and just the way everything went down, I think it left a, a very poor taste in everyone's mouth. And then on top of that, not really acknowledging or thanking the fan base for up to a week. And I thought the optics were just so poor. And, and that first introductory press conference with Columbus and, and basically, you know, brushing the flames fans aside, I felt for those people who pay money to go see the flames play or who have season tickets or who buy the merchandise. I thought the fans deserved a lot better Um, When we talk about Matthew Kachuk, it was almost a quiet secret that he would not be here long term. I think everybody kind of knew that. That's why the previous deal was essentially a bridge deal. And that is not too shocking. So half of the equation was a shock. The other half of the equation is shocking only because when has it happened that a team has lost two 100 plus point getters the same summer and two-thirds of your top line actually the top line in the NHL last season are bolting so obviously Johnny is officially gone and now it's very it would be very very hard to see Kachuk coming back do you think the removal of Goudreau from Calgary hurt the chances of bringing Kachuk back or do you think it was just a foregone conclusion with the way he had his contract structured that he was going to be leaving regardless of what the team did with their roster. Yeah, I definitely think it's the latter. It certainly didn't help the situation. If there was any inkling of staying, it was blown out of the water when the guy that's dishing you all the passes and doing all the creative stuff on the top line isn't going to be there anymore. He was the bread to his butter, yin-yang, whatever you want to call it. So it, it didn't shock me at all. And I think... What Flames fans do appreciate is the fact that at least the Kachuk camp has been forthcoming, saying, listen, we don't want to sign a long-term deal there. Do with it what you will with that information. And I know there's been a list of teams that have been reported. By all accounts, that is not the official list. So it's basically the Flames are looking to move him. 
the Flames will move on to the next step of the summer once they learn what that return is. And I think with that return, you'll know where this team is going forward. So will it be a reset? Will it be a rebuild? It's all indicative on the potential return for Matthew Kachuk. That was my next question, Sandra. Um, (laughs) Where do you think he will end up and what return would you like to see for Matthew Kachuk? I mean, it is a big question mark on what the organization plans to do, right? Like you said, is it going to be a retool? Are they going to try and uh, retain or maintain uh, what they had going last season? I mean, if they do decide to do the rebuild portion, that's going to be a lot harder. Oh, of course. And at the end of the day, you still have a Vesna finalist goalie. You have a Jack Adams winning trophy and just dealing with Daryl. This isn't going to phase him. He, he will continue to work with this roster and just squeeze every inch. If you think back to 2004 and what he was able to do essentially with Jerome McGinley and, and I don't want to say a bunch of nobodies because they weren't nobodies, but they were more grinders and they were more bottom six guys. But the fact that Daryl Sutter was able to take that roster with Jerome and Mika Kiprasov as the cornerstones to game seven of the Stanley Cup final, you know what Daryl is essentially all about. Now, in terms of return, I think what the Flames are looking for is a player right now under the age of 25 that can step into a top six role, a top prospect, and a first overall pick. Because as we know, and I'm sure you guys have discussed it at 650 ad nauseum, just knowing that this next draft is supposedly very deep. So at least you can count on something good coming out of 2023. Will anybody replicate Matthew Kachuk? It's really hard to say because I think it's fair that he really has the most unique skill set in all of the NHL. People call him a unicorn, and I know they look down on his skating, but he makes up for all of that. If you need somebody to change the game, whether it be verbally or with a punch or with a skilled play, that's what Matthew Kachuk brings you. So the return, I think, will be substantial. The only thing maybe that could drive it down is the fact is, is this his plateau? Was he 100-plus points because of Johnny Gaudreau? Or did both of them benefit with having somebody who's so smart and who is so two-way with Elias Lindholm? That remains to be seen. And next year will be interesting to see wherever Matthew Kachuk lands, wherever Johnny Gaudreau, what his production is with Columbus, it'll be indicative to see how all three of these players do next season. And just to go back to the very first part of your question there, Alina, you had mentioned in terms of a landing spot. I think at some point in his career, he ends up in St. Louis. It's almost like a foregone conclusion, just Mm -hmm. given how that's where he grew up and the history with his father. And you saw them at the all-star game when it was in St. Louis, he had no problem putting on a cards Jersey and playing up to the crowd there. So he ends up there eventually. Is it his, very next step, I don't know. It depends. It depends on the return. Yeah, it's kind of hard to see the fit trade-wise with St. Louis, at least in the in the short term, unless they get kind of really creative with things. As far as it goes with two players of this caliber leaving, does that point to something maybe more fundamentally wrong with, or or just flawed with how the team is running right now? Or do you think it's just a coincidence, the timing, and it's it's just bad timing and they they were going to leave regardless of how the team was being run. 
I think Matthew was planning to leave regardless of what was happening within the team. Um, unfortunately, these are this is how the stars aligned. I really, I think a factor of this is the American factor. It's not an excuse, but just knowing what's happened over the past two and a half years, and yes, how difficult it has been to cross the border. The Gaudreau family was here. Uh, right ahead of Johnny Gaudreau hitting the 100-point plateau, I remember they came into the city sort of anticipating he would hit that milestone. And basically had, his mother had said, well, we haven't been able to, to come here for two years. We haven't been able to watch him in person at the Saddle Dome. That was a factor. His wife is expecting their first baby. That was a factor. He had always sort of alluded to wanting to play closer to home. He's a Flyers guy through and through. So I think the fact that that fell through was another reason, okay, we're still not coming back to Calgary. We're going to find a U.S. destination, as he said, that's close but not too close to family. We are speaking to Sandra Prusina of Sports at 960, our sister station here. Um, So, okay, you mentioned it yourself, Goudreau and Kachuk leaving, both American-born players. Uh, Obviously, this has raised this discussion around whether Canadian teams should be hesitant to draft or acquire American players with the fear of them walking yeah. out. Is it yeah. premature to assume that? It, it's wild. Like you look at it right now and I know you guys are probably, uh, you didn't draft JT Miller, but mm-hmm. no doubt that that is part of the discussion there. What happens with Austin Matthews yeah. and the Maple Leafs? No doubt he likes it there, but <laughs> just the way things are going with Arizona, they got money. And no doubt they're going to back that Brinks truck up for him eventually when he does hit that free agency period or that year leading up to free agency period. So I think GMs will be cognizant of that factor. Um, Something else that sort of gets lost in the fold is Calgary originally drafted Adam Fox. And Adam Fox was basically made it known to Flames Brass that he wasn't going to play for the Flames. So he was included in the deal to Carolina going with Michael Furland and Dougie Hamilton for Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin. And as we know, Adam Fox is an American. He always wanted to play for the Rangers. He ended up playing for the Rangers. But but this has happened in the past. So I think it's a red flag. You need to do your due diligence if you're a general manager and figure out, okay, is this guy a flight risk? How many controlled years do we have of his contract? And as you're negotiating those contracts, especially after the entry-level deal, you've got to figure out, okay, how can we keep this guy north of the border for as long as we can? The simple answer is you, you sign the long-term deal as soon as you sign them. <laughs> yeah. And, and right now that might be the smart thing to do because yeah. – Right now, they've got an Ivy League player in Matthew Coronado, who was recently here. He's a forward. He was recently here for the development camp. And, you know, he's saying all the right things, but he's eventually going to, he's an American-born player. He's going to have an Ivy League education. He can essentially dictate his future. And if he sees things aren't really, uh, he doesn't see a future here in Calgary. He wants to maybe head south of the border. That might be written on the wall. So, Uh, For GMs, I think this has been a very sobering summer for GMs across Canada and just figuring out, okay, what do we do from here? Because I can say hand on heart, Brad Tree Living has done everything possible to retain these players and they still aren't staying. And remember, they're coming off career years. 
They're coming off a year where you won the Pacific Division, and they're coming off a year where they were part of the best line in the entire NHL. Mm -hmm. It was just clear they simply did not want to play in Calgary, especially knowing how much money was left at the table for Johnny Goudreau. He just simply did not want to play in Calgary. Okay, last question for you. Now, Johnny Goudreau is going to make an appearance as a Blue Jackets um, in January. How do you think fans are going to handle it? I think it'll be polarizing. Mm-hmm. I think for fans that are more casual fans, I don't think they understand the depth of what devoted fans, the depth of that deception or the depth of dishonesty or negotiating in bad faith. I don't think they do that. They know that. So the fans that are really deep into it, yeah, I think he's going to get booed. And then I think the other set of fans will cheer him on. So it might be a bit of a 50-50 split come January. And he penned the letter, I think, uh, what was it, on the Players' Tribune Mm -hmm. yesterday? I think it was all these days guys are blurring together. Every day is Matthew (laughs) Kachuk Day right now. I know, we were joking about it today. I was like, we're talking about this again? Yeah, we're talking about it again. But uh, is that letter of thanks enough? I don't know if it is. This this one is going to burn hard. So I don't know if January is enough time for that water to go under the bridge. We shall see. Sandra, I appreciate you taking the time this <laughs> evening. Enjoy your summer. Hopefully the Kachuk news uh, comes relatively soon so you can uh, take some time off after and <laughs> relax a little bit until everything gets going next season. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Keep up the good work with the show. Thank you. That's Sandra Persina of Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. A lot of interesting stuff there. Uh, we did have some news break while we were doing that interview. Uh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine? We just let her go. Well, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> Get her back on the phone. Uh, no, it was not Kachuk. It was uh, rumored earlier in the day, Kevin Weeks, uh, also Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman, uh, reporting that the San Jose Sharks have hired David Quinn as their next head coach. So that's neat former Rangers coach probably doesn't mean too much because they're not going to be a great team this year. They've got a lot of stuff to figure out. They have a a lot lot of contracts. They are just kind of screwed for quite a bit of time. Uh, This weekend coming up is the French Grand Prix, Lena. Yes. I don't know. Have you been paying attention to Formula One this year? And of course. And uh, Randy Janda. Randy Janda is there. Yes. Amazing. You just... Was it on his Twitter? He was just like, George Russell sighting. He's on in the paddock. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? Insane. He's just he's just got money to burn, that Randy. <laughs> he's it's all that radio money. <laughs> getting meet, meet and greets with George Russell. Uh, but it should be a fun race this weekend because Mercedes kind of figuring it out a little bit, I think. Uh, and so it's kind of a three-horse race for the people that aren't paying super close attention it's red bull at the top max verstappen at the top of the uh driver standings red bull also leading the constructors then it's ferrari who have had some issues lately namely in the last race in austria carlos signs his engine just uh caught caught on fire a little bit just Uh, a little bit just a bit (laughs) charles leclerc did win the race though but it came close at the end max verstappen almost came back and won um, Sergio Perez, who's the other Red Bull driver, also had a DNF. So 
it was kind of an even Ferrari didn't make up as much ground as they probably should have, but also Mercedes has been very reliably finishing in all of these races. So they're still in the conversation as well. So it's going to be interesting going into this. Lewis Hamilton seems to be getting closer to a win as well. He hasn't had one yet this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Should be an exciting race. There's also uh, Daniel Ricciardo made a statement about his. Yes. Yeah. His There's contract. unfinished business. Yeah. He plans to, uh, he's, a, he's a man on a mission. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really hope he figures I, it out. I do too. I really do too. He's such a lovable dude. He's precious. I just I want him to be good at driving cars. <laughs> it's weird what happened with with him and McLaren. Just the car issues, like he just couldn't he says he couldn't get used to the car. Which is wild. And then he really clearly became the number two. And mm-hmm. Lando in the beginning it looked like Ricardo was gonna be the number one and it And he got paid like a number one. It seemed like it was going to be panned out that way. Lando, no no. Yeah. The young, the young think, buck came up on top. Yeah. And Lando's been good. I do think he's maybe a little bit overrated, but mm-hmm. it he looks really great because Ricardo is- Looks really has, bad. <laughs> yeah, he has not been great. Um, so that's been an issue. But yeah, I think all F1 fans want Ricardo su- to succeed for the most part. He just uh, hasn't been able to put it together. So that race goes on Sunday. It's probably at 6 a.m. because it's in Europe and- it's really hard to watch F1 races here unless they're in North America. You just got to record and... Here's or if you're Randy. Or if you you're Randy, you can go there you're live just on there. location. Yeah. A different uh, type of live on location. Yeah. He should be he should be doing some reporting from there. Um, what do you have a... So do you watch some races? Do you try to watch the races? I or have do you just been. Catch up? I have been. My boyfriend is really into it. Okay. So naturally I've been trying to get into it as well do you wake up or do you i have a couple times that's tough i also watched um i also watched one on the air at the airport in lax on my way home right uh recently i can't even remember which one that was would have been the austrian well that would have been last it was obviously super engaging (laughs) very engaging um my strategy is I record it, mm-hmm. I turn off all notifications the night before, and then right when I wake up, it's usually already, it's either at the tail end of the race, so I can start from the beginning and not have to worry about commercials. Not that there are really any commercials that play at the same time as the race, but then I just don't go on my phone until the race is over, watch the race, feels great. Uh, I won't be able to do that that this weekend, though, I have to play in a softball tournament. Ooh. What position do you play? Yeah, why do you guess? Do you, yeah, give me a guess. Based on my oh. figure. <laughs> um, Stand up. Let him get not, a good look. Hold on. Center field. Yeah. Really? Well, it depends on... It depends on... I feel like you can run. Yes. I feel like I wouldn't put you in the infield. Yeah, it depends like on run. where... Wow. Most of the balls are getting hit. What would I play? Left bench. Oh. I knew oh, he was going to say no. something rude. Where where do you play? When you play? If you play. Right field. Right field is also the spot where you just put someone when you're like, Ugh, okay, we got to put him out there. You know what? Time's where you, up. Where do you play, Leon? You know what? You'll find out play? next week. Just tell us. You'll find out next week. And then say week. where I play and it'll break. No. All right. Ben, where do you play? 
shortstop. Yeah. See, so, yeah, sometimes I play short, but that's if we. That's not my. That's not my main thing. I can run and catch the ball real good. Why don't you think I would be able to play shortstop? I don't know. If, I think you're like Tom Brady. You just don't have the arm strength for it. <laughs> so I'll, you can, I'll you play, play you second, second. base. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I'll just play a you short throw. You're consistent. Just short throws, though. And you, you don't get hit the ball. The ball doesn't get hit to you all that often. It's a low-risk position. Okay. But you still play in the infield. You get the glory of that. Yeah, the glory of the infield. You could be... I don't give you pitcher vibes. No. Pitcher is pretty easy, too, though. You just kind of... Well, it depends on what how what kind of softball you're playing. I don't give you catcher vibes? Catcher vibes are worse. I feel like being a catcher is like being a goalie. No, no, no. It, well, I'm Full talking. Psycho. I'm talking yeah, slow pitch. It's gonna take softball. something for you to get back there and have a hundred mile hour thing going at you all the oh, time. Okay, we're talking about baseball now. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm talking about like just you know they're kind of similar. Right. Ish. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, that is that is all the time we have tonight. I'm just looking forward You'll to. You'll find out uh, what I play next week. Yeah. I'll report back on Monday how it goes. I'm gonna hit a couple dingers and it'll it'll be fine. Confidence. Yeah. Uh, that's gonna do it for Sportsnet tonight. We will be back on Monday. It won't be a Sportsnet tonight, though. It will be a Sportsnet Today show. We will be 12 to 2 on Monday. That's right. Set your alarm. Well, most people are awake by that time. Oh. Uh, Really? Preceding the People show, which will run from 2 to 6 that day. Pre-gaming. Yes. This is the pre-game show. This is the pre-game show. Uh, Thanks to Ben Bazran, the producer. Thanks to Linus Tagge, my co-host. Of course. That's going to do it for Sportsnet tonight. I'm Josh Elliott-Wolf on Sportsnet 650.